It's the Americhips with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. It's almost unbelievable that Trump has extricated the U.S. from the Iran nuclear deal. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhicks. Dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. Welcome to the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Be sure and check out my website, americhicks.com. And sign up for my emails. Go to americhicks.com forward slash Kim. I'll keep you apprised of all the upcoming guests, topics, and important events. And uh, I am the Americhicks on Facebook and Twitter as well, offering you a conservatarian perspective. We've got a great show planned for you today. We're going to go through some headlines, a little inspiration, a little uh, a little humor, and maybe a really little humor, Steve. And then we'll be talking with guest Dave Kopel, who is the adjunct law professor at DU and research director at the Independence Institute regarding Colorado's red flag bill. And uh, so be sure and stay tuned. It's jam-packed. Uh, starting off with a little inspiration, though. Uh, this is Jimmy Valvano, Jimmy V, the successful college basketball coach. He said there are eight, 86,400 seconds in a day, and it's up to you to decide what to do with them. And, Steve, I think that actually segues into one of the things that we hope to talk about. Today is the second pay equity day. And this is a, a narrative out there that women are paid less than men, but there's a lot of other factors that are involved in that. Uh, many times women want more flexibility uh, for, so that they can you know, be a mom or a variety of things. And so that's not taken into account regarding this narrative. And the fact that we each have, my dad always said, you have 24 hours in a day and you choose what to do with those. And that's the kind of, in a way, that's the great unequalizer, if you will, because we all make different choices. So again, Jimmy V said there are 86,400 seconds in a day, and it's up to you to decide what you do with them. I just love that quote, Steve. I do too. And, you know, I catch myself even at my <clears throat> more mature stages of life, uh, <laughs> frittering away days sometime, and I'll, I'll see two or three hours go past me, and, you know, now they're in the rear rear view mirror and I think what a waste well and you know that's one thing that's so interesting I I go back and I, I think about the uh, amendment to the Constitution regarding uh, taxing income the income tax and you know different people make different choices with what they do with their time and so if somebody decides to work you know seven days a week you know 16 hour days or whatever and they end up making more money for that, it's not fair then that government is used to take uh, a larger portion uh, of their, their money because somebody else may have made a different choice. Not to say that other choice is bad, but maybe they just choose to work 40 hours a week, uh, you know, take vacation, variety of things. And so uh, you really shouldn't have government in there uh, taxing income. And as we, as we talk all the time, if you want more of something, you subsidize it. If you want less of something, you tax it. So when you tax income, you know, that means people are going to have less income and, and, and probably at some point, depending on, 
you know, just what that number is, when people look at it and say, if I work harder, if I'm more productive for that next dollar and the government takes, well, in, in Ocasio-Cortez's situation, you know, a significant amount, 70, 80, 90 percent, then those people may not work that extra hour and you start to lose productivity. So um, that, that actually went longer on our um, inspiration as inspirational quote that I meant, but but that's something that I've I've learned when I was a kid. My dad said, "You've got 24 hours in a day, and you get to choose what you do with it." And I guess that's the great equalizer is the fact that you have the choice on how you live your life. So, running on to, are you ready, Steve, for today's funnies? Okay, I we the, we meaning the drummer and myself, totally messed up yesterday. I think maybe we're in the <laughs> Monday morning funk. But uh, the humor was such that it kind of just snuck right past us, and we had to make you do it twice. So we, we apologize. Oh. Uh, go ahead. Oh, well, well, I thought maybe you didn't think it was that funny. So anyway, today, a police officer pulls over a driver, and he says, your taillight's broken, your tires need to be changed, and your bumper is hanging halfway uh, down the street. That's going to be $300. The driver says, all right, go ahead. They went twice that much down at the garage. Well, I'm glad to see the drummer showed up this morning, Keith, or uh, uh, Steve. I was uh, getting ready to say thank you to you, producer Steve, and to Zach, and to Patty, and to Keith. Uh, all of us work really hard to make this whole thing happen. Uh, before we get into everything, though, I wanted to give you an update on Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth. As you know, I'm partnering with Dr. Tom Cranowitter, Bethany and his team, and Jen Hewlin at Water's Edge Winery for Centennial, Maria and Steve Martz for Colorado Cork and Keg down in Castle Rock for Castle Rock, to bring you a fascinating story, or a study of the Federalist Papers. We need to know why we believe what we believe. And so Vino and Veritas Centennial meets the fourth Monday of each month, and Vino and Veritas Castle Rock meets the last Sunday of each month. And we are targeting opening Vino and Veritas Northern Colorado sometime in May. So thank you to our presenting sponsors for April, Bullets Both Way for Centennial, and Auto Fire Guard uh, in Castle Rock. And for Vino and Veritas sign up or more information, go to americhicks.com uh, forward slash Vino. Again, that's Aramit. Americhicks.com forward slash Vino and fill out the form and we'll get you more information on that. So, Steve, let's jump into some of these headlines here. Uh, we mentioned about uh, today is Pay Equity Day. And uh, it is important that, you know, we, we recognize that we like people to have equi equitable, pay, uh, equitable pay for equitable work. However, I think the free market can take care of this. If, in fact, I were an owner and I could hire uh, another worker that is is you know does the same work and is is um interested in the same hours and all and i can hire them for less it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that most people are going to hire that particular worker and so then the market is going to automatically uh equalize the market instead of government coming in and doing something it says the 12% wage gap that is presently cited here in Colorado is misleading as all women are put in the same basket and all men are put in the same basket. It doesn't matter what job you perform. This number is a comparison of the average of all women to the average of all men. 
And many women value flexibility in their careers and their work schedules. And that flexibility is not reflected in the wage comparisons. So I uh, did want to acknowledge today is Pay Equity Day, and this is a conversation that we need to continue to have. Um, headlines on a state level. Uh, there is a massive expansion in Lone Tree to create a new downtown with a significant amount of square feet of development. Now, Steve, I, I've lived in Lone Tree for many, many years, and I served on city council from 2012 to 2016. And what I found uh, is that even though Lone Tree has politicians who are Republicans, they've been lobbying federal officials for federal money for light rail, uh, they've siphoned money off from Vintage Lone Tree, which basically is the mall, uh, and the revenues from that, to push forward this agenda of a big plan community where folks are packed together, they ride light rail, and uh, these particular officials are part of that whole group that are working to get people out of their cars. And freedom of uh, mobility in, ch in the choice of how people uh, travel about as you can see with the congestion on our highways, people vote to have their own personal vehicle. And so to have um, public officials that are able to use uh, public policy, public money to push forward an agenda to pack everyday people into cars and, and very tight communities, uh, I always struggled with that when I was on city council. And uh, this is going to create tremendous more pressure on schools and on congestion. And then you see politicians and bureaucrats wring their hands and, again, use public policy, public money to address a problem that they created to begin with. Uh, Steve, do you have any comments? Well, we were talking on air as we were getting, or, I'm sorry, off air as we were show prepping. And I said, you're going to have, I told you, you're going to have to coach me here because uh, this Later this month, I'll be in my home 36 years. I am not a uh, member of, or not a member citizen of Lone Tree, but yet Lone Tree totally surrounds me. I kind of gave up my location mm -hmm. there. But I've had a front <laughs> row seat in watching this, and, I, and it has not been easy because the tactics and the, the methodologies that they have employed across, you know, however long the, you know, whatever they chartered themselves. Because, again, frankly, when I first got there, Lone Tree was a collection of about a dozen houses. And, and you know where that, you know, where that is. And mm -hmm. who knew what was, what was coming? And, uh, you know, we've seen in other places. Centennial has basically done the same thing. I mean, these people get together and say, well, you know, we need to be able to charter ourselves and become our own, you know, control our own destiny. And I guess there's nothing really wrong with that. But the methods that they uh, employ... And again, my front row seat watching this go down over the last 25, 30 years, it's, it's been hard to take. Well, and see, the thing about it is when you look at the financials, Lone Tree is a sales tax city. And because of Park Meadows Mall, that has been a real uh, revenue driver for Lone Tree. And so when people look at, um, for example, Schwab coming in, I love... I love it when, you know, I'm a free market girl, so I love the whole free market component. But Lone Tree does not have any property tax, and Schwab does not generate any sales tax. And so what you've seen is is the sales tax that's been generated off of the mall has been used to um, push forward this, again, this agenda of getting people out of their cars. 
uh, Lone Tree now subsidizes a free, if you will, uh, commuter bus that goes around the city because, again, these officials are so concerned about that last half mile, how to get people from their home to the light rail or from the light rail back to their home. And uh, so now what they're doing is they're offering a free service to try to do that. But once again, people get in their car and they drive downtown. You, you and I both drive by light rail and it is, uh, you know, many times the cars are empty. Typically, the only time light rail is uh, full is when, uh, you know, maybe for a Rockies game or a Broncos game or something happening downtown. Otherwise, people still, you know, they like their personal vehicle. So um, that's going to be really interesting. We're going to keep an eye on that. And I had a front row seat to a lot of that stuff happening. And so that's going to be really interesting. Just a couple of uh, the other state articles. Uh, Stephanie Rose Spaulding, a former congressional candidate, and she was a women's studies professor down at, I think it's CU in Colorado Springs, is the latest Democrat to announce that she's going to challenge Cory Gardner for Senate. And then uh, the census count that's coming down the pike uh, there's a lot of money on determining, you know, how many people live in a particular state. And if Colorado gets a uh, second uh, House of Representatives seat, each seat's worth about $630 million in federal money, which that's a whole nother conversation, Steve. But uh, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll talk about some of the national articles. Uh, be- before we do that, and the final four is this weekend. It's Michigan State faces off with Texas Tech and Virginia plays Auburn. And Hooters Restaurants is my sports headquarters. The Nuggets are in the playoffs. The Avs are in that playoff hunt. And the Rockies opening day is Friday against the Dodgers. And Hooters is the place to watch all the games. Wednesdays are wing day. All the wings you can eat for $14.99. Their smoked wings are delectable and only half the calories. And Hooters Wings Can Fly, you can have them delivered right to your front doorstep when the girls come over on Wednesday nights. I order their new smoked wings. The girls love them because they are half the calories. Order your Hooters Wings to go. Have them delivered right to your front door or watch the game at the restaurant. More information, visit HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com. And let them know that you know the AmeriChicks. And we will be right back with some of the national headlines. All AmeriChick sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. As a Colorado representative to the National Board of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. Ahead financially. The AmeriChicks with Kim Munson highly recommends Predovich & Company as your financial business consultant. Predovich & Company will take care of your tax preparation, bookkeeping, and business advisory services. Dan Predovich and his team want to learn about the unique needs of your business through real, honest dialogue. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich & Company can help clients anywhere in the United States. 
Call 303-791-3000 to start preparing now for tax season. Organize your business finances with Predovich & Company. Call 303-791-3000 today. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Be sure and check out my website, AmeriChicks.com, and sign up for my emails. We'll keep you apprised of uh, all the upcoming guests and important events. And I am the AmeriChicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. I would greatly appreciate it if you would like and follow me. Offering you a conservatarian perspective. And wanted to let you know our presenting sponsor for Vino and Veritas in February was Susan Kochevar, owner of the eight, historic 88 Drive-In Theater. And spring is right uh, right around the corner. It's here because Susan will open this Friday, April 5th. Uh, the weather looks like it's going to be a beautiful day, calling for a high of 66. And the opening movie is Shazam. It's about a streetwise 14-year-old foster kid who can turn into a superhero. So more information, check out 88drivein.net. That's 88drivein.net. And I tell you what, Steve, I'm excited. Spring is here. It's the Rockies. An 88 drive-in theater. It's the you know it's yeah. There's no doubt about it. I'm walking around the yard, checking all the trees, and they're getting ready to, to do their thing in terms of leafing out. But burst out. forth. Yeah, <laughs> but yet, and I was supposed to be doing some work in the yard uh, on this big project we got going, but I got out there and the, and the sun was so nice and warm. I was like, oh, this is perfect. <laughs> but this cool wind kept you know buffeting me, and it's like it's maybe I'll go back in the house. It's still spring, that's for sure, that's for sure. And one other, th- other thing, I want to talk about this, um, this thing up in Buffalo, New York, regarding the city council determining that Chick-fil-A cannot be, have a restaurant in the airport. But before we do that, so excited. Laura Carno, we're doing this book promotion with her, government, and her book is Government Ruins Nearly Everything, Reclaiming Social Issues from Uncivil Servants. And it's a quick read, and Laura brings this great clarity to the issues of abortion, schools, guns, marriage, and the proper role of government. And so the first 50 folks who go to my website, americhicks.com, and sign up will receive a free copy. You can either get a, a hardcover or hardbook, uh, not hardcover, but uh, you know, paper, uh, ebook or audiobook. And all that we do is we ask that you will submit your review as soon as possible. And when you sign up, Laura has all the instructions on how to do that. Um, we are giving away 50 books. Yesterday, 18 were spoken for. So there's 32 left. And it's going to be first come, first serve. So again, go to americhicks.com and sign up for a free copy. And again, it is a quick read. But it is such a great book to get your brain around these issues so that you can speak with clarity in reasonableness instead of emotion when you're debating these uh, important topics with your friends, family, and colleagues. Question. So be sure to check, check that out. Yes. Are AmeriChicks team members allowed to? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Good. Because so you better... You better do that soon. I'm in love with the concept. I mean, look at that title. I am in love with that concept because I've seen it. And basically, it's what we talked about last segment, too. Uh, So maybe I need to go get one of those. 
You better sign up because uh, if uh, yesterday was any indication, uh, it'll probably be today or tomorrow. They will be all gone. So, and it's like I say, it's an excellent read, and it'd be great to have a conversation about that after you read that, Steve. So, let's jump into proper role of government. And Buffalo is the second airport to ban Chick-fil-A uh, having a restaurant in their their airports because of the uh, same-sex marriage issue. As many of you know, Chick-fil-A uh, honors, serves all people, no matter what their descriptor is. But the owners also have made a statement that they believe that marriage is uh, between a man and a woman. So the first thing is, is you know, Steve, I've always been a live and let live kind of girl. What What you do is your business. I have my own stuff I'm working with. So, you know, that's always been really important to me. However, what we had seen is is the redefinition of a word. And we've seen radical progressive activists redefine words. And that's what we have seen happen with marriage. As I see this issue is it's uh, it's a redefining. It's very Orwellian to start to redefine words like this. And... Um, so the, the Chick-fil-A founders has, had said that they believe the word is what the word has meant throughout history, that that is between a man and a woman. However, they do not discriminate serving anybody. And so this is really, you know, this is one of the things that when I was on uh, Lone Tree City Council and I saw the council there uh, trying to kind of pick winners and losers regarding whether or not they would award um, a liquor license, which was just a routine thing. The, the area had been zoned for a liquor license. There had been a previous uh, restaurant in that location that had a liquor license. But you saw, uh, and again, partly uh, because we had kind of radical progressive activist women, I would say, that were advocating against giving Hooters a, a liquor license, you saw government officials waffle and uh, in fact, the first time it became uh, came before council, I made the motion to approve the the liquor license, and it was not seconded. And um, the reason is is I realized that it is very dangerous when you start to have local officials, well, local officials, state officials, and national officials start to pick winners and losers based on an ideology, and that's what we see happening in Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo, New York is the second airport to ban Chick-fil-A over same-sex marriage. And if you can believe it, down in the, the great state of Texas, the San Antonio uh, City Council did the same thing um, within the last few months, Steve. Well, don't forget, right here in our backyard, I believe it was 2015, uh, one of the vendors at DIA went out of business or chose to leave, you know, cost of doing business, whatever it was. Chick-fil-A was early on one of the people applying to fill that vacancy, and the city, you know, they had a hard time coming to grips with that. And the funniest part was they put up a smoke screen. The, the real issue was, you know, tied back to what you have already talked about, but the Denver City Council put up this smoke screen excuse. It's like, well, we really like the vendor who fills this uh, vacancy to be a seven-day-a-week operation, that, that mm-hmm. not being available on Sundays, that's a problem for us. And I thought, that's really a lot of baloney. Because well, it, yeah. who, there's plenty of other vendors there to fill the gap, and, and they'd be more than happy to compete against somebody who's not there seven days a week. Well, and I, I have been flying recently, and the lines at Chick-fil-A, 
are significant out at DIA, and it's generating uh, sales tax revenue, it's generating revenue for the airport. And so what you see here is they opine that they care about people being served or, or revenue or a variety of things, but they really are uh, pushing a particular ideology. And it's so the, see, Steve, the free market can work. What if Chick-fil-A in six days creates more sales tax revenue uh, for DIA and they pay their whatever their, their same fee that all the other restaurants do uh, to DIA? And then how about if you let the travelers decide which restaurant that they want to go to? That seems to me like a better idea. What do you think? Wow, there you go again with that free market philosophy. <laughs> I mean, and you know what? It actually works. If you have different businesses that compete and people can vote with their hard-earned dollars, whether or not they like it or not, the businesses will succeed or fail on that. But we, you know, we've got a real problem. And, and Steve, local government has been infiltrated with, uh, I think, many times well-meaning people. I can't tell you how many times I have heard city officials uh, say or people running for office say, I'm running for office because I want to give back. And I've always pushed back on that because when you say you want to give back, that implies that you've taken something that's not yours. No, how about I want to be on city council or I want to be an elected official because I want to make sure that we work to, to government inherently tries to get bigger. And our job as elected officials is to try to keep gov government within the boundaries of what it's supposed to be. But that's going to be another conversation. I'd like to talk to Jason McBride. Jason McBride, how are you doing this morning? Oh, I'm just doing wonderful, Kim. Glad to be here. Well, it's great to have you. And, you know, interestingly enough, we're going to be talking with Dave Kopel, who is the, an adjunct law professor at uh, DU, as well as the research director for Independence Institute regarding uh, the red flag bill. But right. you had mentioned something about stand your ground, but you weren't talking about the gun law. You're talking about Social Security benefits. What do you mean? Well, what I mean is uh, you really have to know your stuff when you go to file for your benefits, Kim, especially if you're one of those few people left that can claim spousal benefits under the old rules, because what we're seeing a lot of is, is people getting pushback at the Social Security office and being told, no, you can't do that or kind of, I'm likening it to like, you know, they say health insurance companies that just are told to deny every claim and maybe they won't come back. And honest, Kim, we're seeing a lot of that when people go to file for benefits that they are absolutely, without a doubt, uh, eligible for. And they're being told by Social Security, no, you can't do that. You can only do this. And if you're not educated and don't know your stuff, a lot of people end up just kind of walking away with their tail between their legs, you know what I mean? Well, how can people get informed on this then, Jason? Well, there's a couple of ways. One is we do a lot of workshops on the subject. Uh, just watch our website, uh, chickspresidential.com, for the next upcoming sessions. Uh, number two, if you're a client of ours, we do help with that. But I'll tell you, Kim, number three is if you're heading in to file for benefits 
and you're not 100% sure what you're eligible for, uh, call one of the fine men or women at Presidential. We're happy to just kind of run the numbers for you. Also to educate you on exactly what you have coming to you, so to speak. And that way, you know, if they try to uh, dink you around or tell you no, you will be able to stand your ground uh, because you'll know and you'll be educated. So uh, make sure that you don't, uh, uh, you know, get sent away uh, not getting something that you have paid into, you've earned, and you're fully legally eligible to uh, claim as a benefit. Well, and you know, uh, check out chickspresidential.com, chickspresidential.com, because Jason and all the fine folks over at Presidential can help you with th this determination so that you don't leave money on the table. So Jason, thanks so much. We will talk to you tomorrow morning. Okay, Kim, have a good one. Okay, you too. And so this is Kim Munson. We will be right back with Dave Copel talking about Colorado's red flag bill. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best with well-priced, made-to-measure clothes that fit a busy lady's lifestyle. Gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Social media is important to the Americhicks, since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at Americhicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the Americhicks radio show. Contact us at Americhicks.com or email Kim at Americhicks.com. Welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. And be sure to check out my website, AmeriChicks.com. I am the AmeriChicks on Facebook and Twitter as well, offering you a conservatarian perspective. I am thrilled to have on the line with me uh, David Kopel. He is an adjunct a law professor at DU as well as the research director at the Independence Institute. And uh, welcome, David. Well, thank you for having me. It's great to have you. And, and I'd like to talk with you about House Bill 19-1177, also known as the Red Flag Bill. You are probably one of the uh, most prolific experts in the country on Second Amendment issues. And this Red Flag Bill 1177 here in Colorado, I'm really concerned about it, David. Well, you're not the only one. So there are lots of uh, counties and sheriffs. And we've seen some real proactive uh, stuff happen with that. There have been, I think, at least 20 counties that have said that they would be uh, either a sanctuary county for the Second Amendment or that they are a county that will make sure that they support the Constitution. That's what Douglas County did. Uh, and, you know, I think one of the first things is, is the Second Amendment. We hear so much about that. Why is the Second Amendment so important? 
Well, uh, in, in the short term, it's the ability of people to be safe, to protect themselves, because uh, we don't have a police, you know, not everybody uh, like high government officials and folks like Michael Bloomberg who can pay for uh, retired police officers to be their security guards. Uh, not everybody can uh, delegate their uh, their safety. Most people have to be responsible for their own protection. And uh, a firearm in, in the home or lawfully carried uh, is a crucial part of, of self-defense and, and safety for many people. Well, and, and people can make different decisions on how they're going to do that. But I think that we have to agree that in order to be to go after your hopes and dreams, to thrive and prosper, you need to, first of all, feel safe and be safe. I was recently at a conference down at the Broadmoor, which, you know, is a, a lovely, lovely place. And as I went back to my room, you know, I closed the door and I locked the door. And then I was thinking about all these different uh, conversations and narratives in America. It could be open borders or, you know, firearms, uh, whether or not people can protect themselves. And we want to be able to do that. And so some of these narratives would mean that you would keep the door wide open and that you would not have tools to protect yourself. And that is totally antithetical in a kind of a big level uh, conversation about, you know, what makes America, America. Well, there, there are some people who disagree with that, though, and they, they don't like that American part of America. Uh, they would prefer a much more top-down society in which the, the means of force uh, are a government monopoly, and some people are allowed the privilege uh, of, of having arms for sport, but uh, arms for protection are uh, viewed as, as disorderly in that kind of uh, viewpoint, which obviously has... Uh, a lot of support um, among some politicians. Well, I've read the red flag bill. I've read 1177. And, uh, you know, there, it's couching this as that if there is somebody that is really dangerous, uh, that in fact, that then this ERPO, this uh, em- emergency order would be issued and uh, that uh, law enforcement would come and demand all of the person's firearms. And, uh, you know, supposedly that would make everybody safer. I would propose to you that if a person is in, you know, that much of a danger to those around them, instead of going to take, quote-unquote, firearms, you need to extricate the person from that situation instead of taking the firearms. And the other thing that's interesting, David Kopel, is that uh, 1177 only talks about firearms. Again, if that person is such a danger, you'd probably need to take the kitchen knives, you'd need to take the jump rope, you'd need to take the car. Uh, so this is, uh, I think, a real uh, a grab, uh, uh, you know, going against the Second Amendment, but trying to make it look like it's because they care about people. Well, I'd, I'd, I wouldn't be quite as cynical as that. I, I've, um, I testified in the uh, U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee um, uh, last week, and they were having a hearing about a uh, proposed bill to give federal funding for states that adopt laws like this. And And my point of view was that if this bills like this are carefully drafted, narrowly tailored, and fully protected due process, then they can be legitimate because what you talked about about personal safety and security being important to thrive is very true. And on the gun issue, that means first of all making sure that the legitimate, responsible people uh, can choose to have arms for protection. And it also means uh, taking arms away uh, from people who have demonstrated uh, a, 
an extreme danger uh, that they would misuse them. Well, I guess I am. I must be getting old and and cynical, David, as we're we're talking about this. But I I looked at, in fact, there was an article that was in Complete Colorado that I thought was was very telling. And uh, the Boulder, or excuse me, the Broomfield City Council, there had been a resolution putting forward, uh, which was a vote to say that they would support the red flag bill. It was defeated. And so in the article, it had some of the conversations and some of the testimony. And one of the things that kind of shocked me was the assistant police chief was quoted in the article as uh, saying when, when they asked him about it, you know, this could put law enforcement in some real danger. Because the way I read 1177 is uh, the person whose arms are going to be taken away, they may, may not even know that they've been accused. They've had no due process. And so there's a knock on the door demanding all of their weapons, which that might not go well. But um, what the police chief or the assistant police chief then said was, well, we would prefer to go and take the weapons when the person is at work. And I'm like, wait a minute. What, what kind of country are we living in if... You know, we go to work, we don't even know that we're accused of something, and that that police officers could come in and take your stuff. I mean, that I thought that was kind of wild. Oh, I, I'd agree with that, and I, I think that's one of the, the problems of why the current bill in the legislature is, is very defective and dangerous. And one of the things I pointed out in my uh, U.S. Senate testimony is that there are better models. Um, in uh, Vermont, for example... A, a you can only have a gun confiscation order issued without notice to the individual, without their opportunity for them to appear and tell their side of the story. Um, if the petitioner for the order uh, proves that there is an extreme and imminent risk uh, from that individual, and under the Vermont system, a person who served with a gun confiscation order, which they, they might not have heard about before, uh, can be told about uh has the option to basically they can give the guns to to law enforcement immediately or they can give them to a gun store or to some other responsible third person who will secure the guns keep them away from the individual and that that's a much safer system all around uh for protecting law enforcement and and protecting the public okay well let's uh in we have just a few minutes left in this segment before we uh go to the next segment what do you think are the key things that everyday people need to know about this house bill 19 1177 the red flag bill um that it is a good idea but a very bad implementation of it it, it has some good features in it like uh, it provides for appointed counsel uh for people who are subject respondents to these confiscation orders and that's a very positive step, but it's way too loose in who can petition for it. For example, in in Indiana and Connecticut, the states that have had these laws the longest, uh, the petition for confiscation has to come from law enforcement. Here in Colorado, any almost a huge variety of people, former girlfriends, distant relatives, all kinds of people, you know, who might have a grudge because of some romantic breakup from a while ago or, or whatever, uh, can come in, and there's very little filters on that. They don't even have to appear in court. They can uh, uh, testify for the petition uh, by telephone. And then when the individual finally does get a hearing where they can present their own side, 
the accuser doesn't even have to appear in court to be subject to cross-examination. The, uh, the accuser can simply file an affidavit and then thereby immunize themselves from cross-examination. That, that's a travesty of, of fairness and due process. And we know that in states that have had these laws that about a third of them are erroneously issued. And I think Colorado is going to be even worse than that uh, because of the breadth of people who may have some grudge who want to uh, come in and do this. And that's why we need a, a fair law would have a civil remedy so that if a false and malicious petition is filed, then the victim would be able to, to sue and, and recover uh, money damages and, and attorney's fees. And that was in the version that was passed the, that passed the Colorado House. But it was taken out in, in the Senate committee because obviously the uh, the Bloomberg lobby was uh, cracking down and saying the bill had too much due process in it. Essentially, really, they said too much due process in it. They did that. that, that that's my conjecture. Okay. Uh, but I know that the bill that passed the House had a civil right of action for the falsely accused, and the bill that uh, came out of the Senate committee removed that. Wow. Okay. So what are Coloradoans, I mean, what can we do about this? Because, uh, I mean, it's probably going to be law. Um, it is. And lots of, uh, lots of counties and sheriffs have said they're not going to enforce it, which I can understand why they're doing that, because the way it's written is so skewed towards facilitating false accusations uh, and causing unnecessary confrontations. You know, Michael, Michael Bloomberg uh, tends to get his way. He, he, he's put $60 million into New Mexico alone last year, uh, so they got a horrible bill that was passed uh, similar to one of the bad bills uh, passed in Colorado in 2013. Um, you know, he, he has the gold makes the rules, and Michael Bloomberg's got the, and, and his fellow billionaires, uh, they have the gold and they're running the uh, state Democratic Party right now. Well, and I, I think that it's going to beg the question, why? It's, it's, I, I don't really understand, you know, why th- there's such a push and why these elites are really, you know, really trying to do this. And, and I don't quite understand that. And that's probably the big question. So what I would like to do, uh, David Copel, is let's go to break. When we come back, I just want to ask if you have a, an idea of why Michael Bloomberg is so adamant on uh, on these different, um, you know, like the red flag bill. So this is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks. I'm talking with Dave Kopel. He's an adjunct law professor at DU as well as the director of research at the Independence Institute. He was back in Washington recently testifying about these different red flag bills. And so we will be right back. Work with mortgage professionals who will give you quick and accurate financial advice. Home Mortgage Alliance has the knowledge and expertise to explore the many financial options available to you. The mortgage process can be stressful, and as interest rates rise, it's more important than ever to get pre-qualified now so you're ready to buy. Call Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance to make sure that you're making the right financial choice for you and your family. 303-888-2732. Kim and Mark will remain available to you 24-7 to help you through the process. Choose the only mortgage professionals recommended by the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Call Kim and Mark with Home Mortgage Alliance today. 303-888-2732. Welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we are dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. 
Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Be sure and check out my website, americhicks.com. Sign up for my emails. I will keep you apprised of all the upcoming guests and important events. And I am the AmeriChicks on Facebook and Twitter as well, offering you a conservatarian perspective. And thrilled to have on the line with me David Kopel. He is an adjunct law professor at DU as well as the director of research at the Independence Institute. And we're talking about House Bill 191177, the red flag bill, which has created a, a big conversation here in Colorado. And in the last segment, David, you said that Michael Bloomberg put $60 million into New Mexico to pass something like this. First of all, how do you spend $60 million in New Mexico on an issue? I, I, I mean, that's a, a, a big amount of money. Well, he, he put the money into buying the, the state legislature, basically, uh, and, and spread it all around to can't to uh, anti-gun candidates. Okay. And as you said, New Mexico is a small state, so $60 million, uh, can can make a big difference there. Well, it certainly can. Why? I mean, I think that's the thing that everyday people are saying. Why is this, the, there's this agenda by some of these, you know, radical progressive elites? Uh, and it's not just guns. I mean, you can take a look at all the different bills that are going through the Colorado State Legislature, and you can see an agenda. But but why on the Second Amendment? Why is Michael Bloomberg so adamant on this? Um. Well, I, I don't know for sure, but if you look at his behavior, uh, he views himself as much wiser and smarter uh, than than the little people, and he believes he has the duty, in fact, that, that it's God's plan for him uh, to crack down on people's behaviors uh, that he doesn't like, you know, having large sodas, uh, for example, <laughs> putting salt on your food. Uh, having a gun in your home for protection. Um, he's been adamantly opposed to all those things. He, he fought and uh, filed an amicus brief in the Heller case back in 2008, uh, trying to convince the court that individ, individual Americans have no Second Amendment rights at all. Now, of course, he's not a guy who would say you shouldn't have guns, or he, he doesn't apply that to himself. He's uh, surrounded by bodyguards, uh, New York's finest retired police officers who he hired at very generous salaries uh, who protect him. And believe me, those, those folks are not, uh, I doubt, limited uh, to the 10-round magazines with only seven rounds in the magazine uh, that he's tried to impose on on other people. But, you know, he's uh, he's better than us. Well, and that's really a theme that you hear. And and so this gets down to really basic foundational view of everyday individuals. I mean, it really gets down to the American idea. And the American idea is it's focused on the individual that they have, you know, these uh, rights of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness that are given to them by God versus government. And, and you know, if everyday people have that opportunity to have government-limited and to go after, you know, their life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. You get this amazing country, this vibrant place where we have a vibrant middle class. And uh, people, I think, generally want to be live and let live. Uh, they prefer that government stay out of their lives. Although we see that sometimes it's like, okay, stay out of my life, but I would like you to use government to get into somebody else's life. And that's what uh, Bloomberg is doing. But the other thing, David, that I don't understand is 
an elitist mentality. I just really don't understand it. But we see it so prevalent, uh, and I've seen it in government, that the rules apply to you know, the little people, but they don't need to apply to me. And that gets to the, the elites in the bourgeois, or the haves and the have-nots. And, of course, that's what the... Or in a communist society, the inner, the inner party and the, uh, the masses. Absolutely. And, and the rules don't, prov- uh, uh, don't apply to the, the chosen, but the rules apply to everybody else, which goes back to what you just said about Michael Bloomberg. He doesn't think that everyday people should be able to, you know, carry a weapon and, and have, you know, the magazine of their choice, if you will. But he probably has people surrounding him that uh, have all those choices. I just don't understand that elite mentality. <laughs> what do you think about that? Well, it's uh, you, you may not understand it, but it's or or like it, but it, it's something that's been going on, you know, the, the, throughout history. Uh, there's people who, uh, sort of, in the, in the words of uh, Thomas Jefferson, uh, believe that they were born uh, booted and spurred to uh, ride the rest of us. <laughs> I never heard that Thomas Jefferson quote, and that's it, 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 it's his. Uh, I, I think it's uh, it's one of his final letters about saying that that that's the difference between America and Europe is we're not ruled by the uh, booted and spurred folks. Although the, there are tendencies uh, these days in, in in that direction, but an important thing about what why Bloomberg is is often successful is he's able to dupe people. Uh, into supporting very radical things by describing them at the top line in a uh, innocuous way. To repeat, I'm in favor of laws that take guns away for a period of time from people who do pose an extreme risk, um, provided that those uh, the, the individual who's accused gets the full due process, a proper hearing, the opportunity to cross-examine hostile witnesses, all all the components of due process. So I'm in favor of these laws as a concept, but I'm against the extreme and dangerous and reckless uh, version that's being pushed in Colorado. But that that's where the Bloomberg uh, genius comes in, is they can get laws passed that people wouldn't support if they knew the details, but when you just describe them uh, in, in platitudes and generalities, uh, they are popular things. Well, and to that point, I am really recommending that people read this legislation. I think that for many years, I, I thought, oh, I'm leaving it up to those, uh, you know, those elected leaders and those bureaucrats. They're smarter than I am. And, and then after getting onto city council, I served there for four years, you know, and I read all my packets and I'm like, you know, we need to be reading this. Everyday people need to be reading this legislation. Most of these um, different uh, uh, bills are maybe 30 pages long at, at the most. And so we need to be able to read them so that when we have a conversation with somebody to say, you know, I've read the bill and this is why I think 1177 really is bad for Colorado and this is because it doesn't have due process uh, for individuals and uh, and in essence, if somebody is a real danger, I think they need to be extricated from the situation instead of their firearms because there's other weapons that they could use. But, you know, we may look at things differently, but let's have an intelligent conversation about this and read the bills. Right. And one, one of the challenges in reading the bills, which I, I do recommend, if, if state legislators would start reading the bills, we'd, uh, we'd already have some good progress. Um, some of the things that are most important in this bill are what's not there. The 
in Colorado law, we have strict controls on no-knock raids after people have gotten killed uh, by improper no-knock raids. So normally a no-knock, you have to go to the, the district attorney, has to file a uh, warrant application in a court in order to do a no-knock raid. But in this, that's eliminated. We have no controls at all on no-knock raids. That, that's an extremely dangerous situation and, and moves us more in a police state direction. Uh, well, and and, it, it puts law enforcement in a really difficult situation, I think. And exactly, and, and that's why so many law enforcement are saying we're not going to we're not going to put our deputies in harm's way, we're not going to put the public in harm's way, and we know that a third or more of these orders are going to be issued improperly uh, against innocent people. So we don't we don't want to get involved in that. They could, you know, it would be possible to write a much better bill that would have broad bipartisan support and lots of law enforcement buy-in. Um, but that, that's not what Bloomberg wanted for Colorado. Okay. We only have a few minutes left, but I, I have to ask you, you are a law professor. I see great danger if we live in a state and in a country where laws are passed and then, you know, people end up not honoring that law because it's unconstitutional or, what, or whatever. I mean, we talk about the rule of law, in, which makes America unique. I see real just danger in, in what is happening here. I, I laud these different counties, these different sheriffs that have said, we are not going to implement this, that we are a, a, a sanctuary county for the Second Amendment, or we are a county that honors the Constitution. But I see real danger for society and rule of law when we get into this situation. Yeah, part of it is, is uh, it, it, it is showing we, we live in perilous times. I mean, the, the idea of uh, state or local officials refusing to carry out uh, and unconstitutional laws is, is something that, that goes back to the, uh, the Thomas Jefferson's Kentucky Resolution against the, uh, the Sedition Act of 1798, which made it a crime to, uh, to criticize the President of the United States. And you've had... Likewise, uh, after the Fugitive Slave Act of 1850 was passed, a lot of state and local officials wouldn't cooperate in, in carrying out that federal law. Uh, but I, I agree it would be better if, if we could operate more by consensus so we could get laws where officials who take their oath to uphold the Constitution, then that's what their oath is, to the United States Constitution and the state Constitution. If we could have laws where officials could feel they're complying with their oath, and they can carry out the, the statute enacted by the legislature, that would be much better. And we had the opportunity to do that, and we could have had a good red flag law in Colorado, but the, uh, the Bloomberg lobby is uh, jamming something much, much harsher and uh, more perilous on our state. Well, and the rule of law is something that is so important to uh, the American idea. And, and what you said is every elected official swears that they will uphold the Constitution. And that is the litmus test. That's what we need to look at when we're, we're putting in laws is, does this pass the muster of the Constitution and the vision of the Declaration of Independence? So David Kopel, um, adjunct law professor at DU, research director of Independence Institute, thank you so much for shedding light on this House Bill 1177, the red flag bill. Great. Thank you for having me. Okay, thank you. And our quote from today is Thomas Jefferson quoting Caesar Beccaria. And they say, laws that forbid the carrying of arms disarm only those who are neither inclined nor determined to commit crimes. 
Such laws make things worse for the assaulted and better for the assailants. They serve rather to encourage than to prevent homicides. For an unarmed man may be attacked with greater confidence than an armed man. So this is Kim Munson signing off. Today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. God bless you, and God bless America.